mildly entertaining, somewhat obscure guests, relatively interesting topics, semi-professional production quality, reasonably well-informed commentary, a great value for the money, hundreds of fans all around the world. It's the Starting Strength Gyms podcast with your host, Ray Gillenwater. All right, everyone, welcome back. Nick Delgadillo's on. Nick and I were talking about fads and starting strength and social media and marketing. And uh, we want to talk about all this stuff. We have no particular structure or order, so let's see how this goes. But um, the premise, essentially, Nick, and let me know if you want to add anything to this, is there's a lot of stuff out there that a lot of people are talking about. And as with most things, some people know what they're talking about, some don't. It's hard to tell based on how confident people are. But uh, for us, it always comes down to the argument. So, right. Nick, why don't we start with the the argument for starting strength? Um, I'll share my perspective, and then let me know if, if I've missed something or if I've misconstrued something. But essentially what, what it comes down to is we have this biological machine that we all operate in. And that machine is optimized when it's exposed to stress. And there are optimal ways you can expose your body to stress, and there are less optimal ways. And from my point of view, training is better than exercise in the way that Ripito outlines. So if you're trying to optimize your human system, you should do so in a structured, planned way with a specific goal. So the question becomes then, well, what, what should the goal be? And there are two primary goals you could have, from my point of view. You could you could try to get stronger, uh, or you could try to improve your conditioning in some respect. So those are probably the two broad categories. But the nice thing about strength is that when you get stronger, it has a conditioning effect also, especially if you're a novice. So strength is the meta adaptation. It's the, it's the training outcome that affects all others positively. It's the biggest bang for your buck. Um, you get bone density, you get muscle mass, you get balance, you get coordination, you get power, um, and you get improved heart and lung efficiency, which is the, the point of conditioning. So um, from, from our point of view, strength is the way to spend your time in the gym because you'll get the best outcome for the time and money invested. Um, there are other things you can do, and depending on what your goals are, those things might be a better use of your time, but everybody should get stronger. Everybody should get stronger because everybody will benefit from going through something like a novice linear progression. Um, and then it just comes down to what are your goals and you would adjust your approach to strength and conditioning and fitness accordingly. Um, that's, that's kind of the, the big picture fundament, fundamental way that I look at this thing. Nick, what's your, what's your point of view or what am I missing here? Uh, nothing really. I think, I think most, uh, starting strength fans, especially, and, um, uh, the, the way you present that is, is, uh, is difficult to argue with. And I think, um, you know, when we talk about this stuff, I think it's helpful to, to consider how people who already, uh, are bought in, so to speak, or already understand that part of it. And also coaches who already understand that part of it and can talk about that all day long. Um, it, it, so, so talking about how, the, the kind of the next step deeper, because I don't think you'll get any disagreement from at least, I mean, the, the internet's a different thing, right? But from, from our people, you won't really get any disagreement on that. But even, even in those cases where you have somebody who understands what you just said, understands our general argument and coaches who understand our general argument and implement our general argument uh, or our general, or our method, I should say every day, 
they still don't understand at a little bit of a deeper level how all this works. Uh, and there's and there's some potential for issues there in terms of uh, organizing thinking and organizing training for people. And then there's there's carryover into things like marketing and stuff where people start saying and, and believing silly things that don't actually occur or that do occur, but uh, get kind of muddled and confusing in the process. So uh, I know that's like, this is pretty, uh, uh, what I'm saying is is pretty vague right now, but we're going to get into all this stuff, I imagine, over the next uh, over the next few minutes. Uh, so really, what really, uh, let me just add to, to what you said. Um, so absolutely right. The thing that I would add is that your adaptations, the adaptations that your body, uh, produces in response to stress are specific to the stress that you apply. All right. So that that's the most fundamental concept to understand the stress that you apply has to match the adaptation you're looking for. And the adaptation that you get is only going to be in response to the stress that you apply. So, when you consider all of the things that you could potentially do in terms of strength and conditioning or fitness or whatever, uh, you have to consider all of the all of the different attributes that you have, whether you're an athlete or you're just a, a normal, I don't want to say normal person, but somebody who, who doesn't have hobbies, physical hobbies outside of lifting and, and staying fit. Um, it's the same thing, right? So it, 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 there's really there's really no difference in terms of the approach or the process for somebody who's doing a sport versus somebody who's not doing a sport. You're just looking at things from kind of a recovery side. Um, so the, so what are the adaptations that you need or that you want or that are desirable and how do you accomplish those? Um, so you can pick some adaptation and then start working on it. Uh, and then you can move on to the other and start working on it and you can work with another thing. So for example, you could work on coordination, you can work on balance, you can work on conditioning, you can work on strength, you can work on all these things individually and design a program that does each one. And what you'll find is that um, most of those attributes are going to be hard limited by your genetic endowment. So, uh, and other things, right? And other, just the, the method that you would have to use to train those things are going to be uh, limited in their capacity to be trainable long-term. So let's take like balance, for example, how would you train balance? Um, if you are somebody who's relatively uncoordinated and unbalanced, uh, you could literally just stand on one leg and practice standing on one leg and your balance would improve, right? But how do you progress that over time? How do you get better and better and better at producing balance? And the the bigger, more important question is how does that carry over into the rest of your life, right? If you're if you're if you haven't fallen, um, if you haven't experienced a, a fatal accident as as a result of falling, I would probably argue that you have enough balance to get through your day to day life uh, with the things that you do, right? So that's the other big question: is how does the how do the adaptation how's the adaptation that you're training right now carry over into all of the other things that you want to do, right? So balance and, and coordination and stuff like that, that that's, can be pretty obvious, especially when we talk about it this way, where things get really confusing for people is, is strength and conditioning. And conditioning is like the, the catch-all word for what people consider conditioning, cardio, uh, you know, whatever terms people throw out like VO2 max, all these different things we just lump under uh, con conditioning because you have structural adaptations and you have metabolic adaptations. So when we talk about the two-factor model of sports performance, or really, it's it's really just the two-factor model of performance because it doesn't just apply to sports. Um, but you talk about the two-factor model, uh, 
you've got the, the skill and practice on one side of things, which is one factor. And then you've got training, which is the other factor. And training would be composed of your structural adaptations and your metabolic adaptations, which would be all of your conditioning stuff, right? <clears throat> so the way people approach the problem is that they look at a specific problem that they have, like they are running out of breath when they walk up the stairs. They are gassing out at jujitsu class. They uh, received some uh, some lab results that were unfavorable um, or, or whatever, right? So they think about, okay, so I, I need to I need to work on my cardio and then that becomes the primary thing or they're doing strength training plus I wanna do cardio, okay? Uh, now that's fine, but the problem is that now we're on the physiologic adaptation side of the two-factor model and you can only you can only optimally focus on one thing at a time. All right. You can suboptimally focus on all things at, at a time, right? And just do them all not very well. Uh, our job is to present and guide people through the most optimal way to improve their performance. So, you know, ultimately that's that's the the goal and the mission of the of the coach at the gym is to improve uh, their clients' performance over time. So when you look at it that way, where is, and like you said, where is the best bang for your buck? Where should I devote the most attention? Um, anything that you do from a conditioning standpoint, again, has problems in terms of trainability over time. Um, the novice effect, right? So just doing anything is going to improve your conditioning at the beginning. Uh, giving yourself runway long-term in terms of, in terms of uh, where, what protocols you're going to use and where you're going to go over time. Like uh, how, because even with the conditioning side of things, there's, there's the uh, high output, um, high output, low oxygen, you know, high energy stuff on one end. And then there's the long, long distance, low energy uh, output stuff on the other side. So where do you, where does your training fall on that spectrum? Right. That's a, that's a fairly complicated thing when you're not, looking at things from a from a very focused perspective like when you're just saying i want to improve my cardio what does that actually mean do you want to do you need to be able to to do uh long slow like do you need a, a lot of aerobic capacity do you need a lot of anaerobic capacity do you need to be you need to be fast and explosive for five to ten seconds and then you you have to be able to recover quickly from that or are we talking about like walking you know five miles or something for, for an hour or two hours or whatever, whatever it is. Um, so, so things are very complicated there unless you have a specific thing that you're working on. Right. So that's, that's one thing to think about there. Um, now, if we look at the, the thing is, and here's the important point. If you look at the training side of things, like you said, uh, if you look at the strength or the structural adaptation that you can potentially produce under a well-designed and, and, uh, and, and well run process, the potentials for an adaptation that is primarily structural, but also carries over into everything else that we just talked about is there with strength training, right? So you have all of the force production adaptation that you get from loading yourself and moving through a full range of motion, using all the muscle mass. You've got uh, a ton of adaptation in terms of, uh, uh, size because your, you know, your muscles are growing, your bone density, your connective tissues are becoming more robust, but that also has a carryover effect into the conditioning side of things for a number of reasons. And probably the, the simplest thing to think about is 
if you're improving your capacity for force production, you're also improving your capacity for stressing yourself in terms of conditioning, right? So any conditioning that you do today as an untrained individual, the novice effect is always in place, right? So after six weeks, you're, you have, let's just assign a number to it. Let's say you have force production capacity of 100 right now, and you go and you do a bunch of cardio with that amount of force production capacity. You're stressing yourself not a hundred submaximal, right? So anything that's, that's, that's going to involve cardio is going to be submaximal. So you're stressing yourself with a smaller percentage of that. And you're just building an adaptation that's around that 100 mark in terms of force production. Let's say you double that amount of force production to 200 or triple it to 300 over the course of three to six months doing a, doing a strength program. Now, when you go and do conditioning, how much more effective is each bout of conditioning now that you have the capacity to exert double or triple the amount of force that you could, right? So to, to give you a, a simple example, uh, if on day one, you're a brand new trainee, you just got off the couch and you are dying pushing a sled with no weight on it, right? I mean, you're just pushing the prowler, maybe even like a 45 pound plate and you do that, you know, for 30 seconds, you're, you do it for five rounds and you're, you're done. I mean, you're toast, completely toast, right? Um, if you, if you put a couple of hundred pounds on your deadlift, put a hundred pounds on your squat, how much more can you put on that sled now after that? So the, the dose of conditioning of, of conditioning training that you can give yourself is much, much higher, right? So uh, in terms of efficiency, now you've got an easier time conditioning yourself is it always sucks. You know, whether you're untrained or you're trained conditioning always sucks, but now you can make it suck harder. Right. And, you, and conditioning is, is going to, is going to come much, much faster and at a higher capacity because now you're, you're baseline. So if you want to think about it as a baseline, people use the word like work capacity. So if you use that baseline, your baseline is now here where it was here, right? So all of that conditioning training comes in uh, down the line because you can stress yourself harder. And if that is available to you in a relatively short amount of time, why would we blunt the ability to produce more force early on when, um, and, and then, and then kind of halfway do strength training, halfway do conditioning and lose out on all of the positive effects of strength training that, uh, that, uh, that applies to every other physical attribute, um, across the board yeah. when we could just make that as efficient as possible right now, I want to make it really clear that I, I don't, I'm not making the argument that, that conditioning has no place, um, in a strength program or that you should lift weights, eat and sit on the couch and sleep as part of your strength training. That's not, not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is that any, any complicated process, which is, which is what we're dealing with when you have physiology, right? Any complicated process requires that you start at the most simple, basic and general version of things and then progress all of your variables from there. Because otherwise, when you just jump into, let's say, a strength program with a conditioning program with this other thing and then all these different nutrition protocols and all of these kind of complicated things because you, you're researching on the Internet or you're listening to this person, you're listening to that person, uh, and, and you're just kind of jumbling all these things together, you have really no good idea about what's working and what's not working. And that leads to program hopping. It leads to not um, it leads to stalls in progress and it's just not an intelligent way to do things. Right. So if we want to look at the most 
the, the most optimal way to do things, you're going to start with the most simple thing that you can do that's going to produce results, right? Uh, and then start running that process and then make adjustments as you go, just like you're just just like we always talk about with programming. So with that in, in mind, where should we spend most of our time and energy initially? And that's on strength training, right? Because it's going to affect how hard your conditioning can be. It's going to affect your conditioning is just going to improve as a, as a, as because literally things get easier for you um, as you start training. Um, so we start with condition. I'm, I'm sorry. We start with strength training. Um, we deal with all of the recovery issues that come with strength training. A big part of that is nutrition, right? So if you need to gain weight, you're going to be gaining weight. If you need to lose weight, you're going to be losing weight. Um, and then based on your specific needs, we're going to add conditioning or whatever else needs to, needs to happen. Now, um, usually, you know, as far as the strength coach goes, it's a lot of strength training. It's as little conditioning as, as you need in order to continue making progress. And then anything else, balance, coordination, timing, all of those things are done at your practice of whatever your hobby or your sport is. Right. So there, there's really no room for that. Uh, in, in, in the strength coaches repertoire of worrying about that, because that's all going to be handled by practice. Um, most of your conditioning needs are also going to be handled by practice initially as well. Right. Um, so as, as far as what we can offer, it's this simple logical approach to strength training to increase the force production side of things, to bring your baseline up as high as we can get it. And then layer on top, really, really basic conditioning, um, when it's needed. And for specific reasons, right? So uh, we can, um, I can keep going. I can talk a little bit more about about what I mean by that. Or if you have questions, we can uh, we can talk about those for a second. I, I do have a question. You, yeah. you asked a rhetorical question. Uh, why would you blunt your strength gains for conditioning early on? Um, and let me let me attempt to answer that question. And I think this is probably the meat of the conversation. Um, the answer is because of belief is because yep. people had preconceptions. And the, the popular culture preconception about fitness is that um, you cannot be fit unless you do conditioning work. Right. Um, and so if, if uh, there, there are lots and lots of people that come into our gyms believing that they will never achieve their health goals um, and they will never achieve their body composition goals unless there is some heavy conditioning component in the program. And you can right. stave this this off for a few weeks and maybe for a few months for a lot of people, but lots and lots of people will feel guilty if they're spending lots of time and money doing something that's fitness oriented, but never doing anything specific to conditioning. And so yep. this this is where the, the inexperienced coaches get into trouble because they feel this pull, this desire from the trainee to to do conditioning, but they don't have the tools to explain to the trainee exactly how conditioning should be thought of because everything you just said there is is uh, illuminating and um, interesting and correct and i you know I, I don't see a counter to the arguments that you've made uh we welcome arguments by the way if you want to write an article for the website or um if the knuckleheads want to respond in the comments below you're welcome to um but but you know all, all that aside I, we, we need to explain to to people um exactly why doing conditioning on week two doesn't make sense. Um, and right. exactly where conditioning fits into a program, because just to remind everybody, you know, a lot of you guys watching on the YouTube channel are young and maybe you're doing athletic stuff, sports, whatever in the gyms, we're mostly 40 plus. So we're, we're helping 
um, middle-aged people plus uh, live more productive lives and improve their capability. And these people, a lot of them are under the impression that that has to include um, heavy cardio immediately. So, so Nick, how would you, let's say you're talking to all the coaches that are watching this, how, how would you ex express to them what they need to do to overcome that trainee's objections and, and illuminate things correctly to them in a simple way um, to, to make them feel like, yeah, you are doing the things you want to be doing for your body composition and your health. And that's just different than what you thought it was. How, how do you best explain that? Yeah. The, 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 uh, yeah. Great question. Um, just like with, with anything that's complicated, um, it, it's really, it's really the presentation of a, of a process and a solution that's process oriented, not, you know, not an, uh, an answer, right? Because when somebody says, when somebody says, uh, they, they feel guilty. They, they have a, the thought or the thinking in their mind that they need to do cardio. Um, you know, maybe they walked into the gym because their doctor told them they're pre-diabetic and they don't buy the, the, the argument that just lifting weights is going to essentially solve that problem if they're untrained and they, and they're, uh, they, they, they haven't done any barbell training before that's fine. But so, so two questions. Number one is like, somebody asks, do I, how do I add it? How do I add conditioning? Can you program conditioning? What do I do for conditioning? First question is, uh, is okay. What is the actual problem you're trying to solve? Like, what do you need? What, what do you want? Like, do you, uh, you're telling me this, is it, is it the lab value? Is it because you're getting winded walking up the stairs? Is it because you get tired playing with your kids? Is it because you, uh, the, the, the basketball that you've all of a sudden decided to pick up is hard. So you see what I'm saying? Like yeah. what, what is, what is it that, that we're trying to fix? And the answer you uh, usually get right is, is like, I want to, I want to look better. I want to be leaner and I want to be healthy. Exactly. Like healthy is nebulous, exactly. isn't it? Yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah. So the second question is, um, how, how much are you, how much, how much do you think you need in terms of conditioning in order to, in order to get that accomplished? And, everybody has a different idea of what, how much they think they need. Right. So I always, I always think about baseline normal human activity versus over and above and actually driving an adaptation. Right. So you've got to make that distinction between what is just doing normal human shit and actually pushing in a process of conditioning and driving an adaptation forward because everybody mixes those two things together, right? So if you are getting winded playing with your children or your grandchildren, if you're getting winded walking up the stairs, that is not a problem that was caused by starting strength. That is a problem that was caused by uh, detraining and inactivity, right? That is a normal human baseline activity. And if you can't do those things, the solution isn't to try to beat the hell out of yourself two or three times a week with a prowler or an echo bike. Um, because honestly it, it's going to work a little bit, but it's not going to give you what you want. It's not going to persist, right? Because how long, how long are you going to stay on that echo bike or that prowler or that rower twice a week, five to seven rounds, hard as hell for 30 seconds, resting for a minute over and over and over again. It's most people don't stick with that kind of a protocol. Um, and, and the minute you stop, you know, maybe you've increased your baseline conditioning a little bit, but, but it's, it's going to just, it's going to just go back. Right. Um, so, you know, I look at it a lot as, as kind of the nutrition question. What do, what do we need to get out of this person or what, what, what am I trying to get them to do? And that's mostly for that demographic. It's, it's like, start doing something in just a little bit at a time. Like if you're, you know, again, if you're, if you're getting up from your cubicle, 
getting in the car, driving to starting strength, training for 90 minutes, getting back in your car, going through the Chick-fil-A drive-through, watching Netflix, going to bed, and then doing nothing the next day, that's your problem, mm-hmm. right? Like, um, what, what I'll do is I'll just be like, look, man, um, like when's the last time you went for a walk, like go walk for 10 minutes mm-hmm. and then you hand up Stan Efferding's book, right? Like, look, mm-hmm. look at this guy. Cause I'm not the guy, you know, I'm not the guy to be telling you this, look at this book, go read it. Um, walk for 10 minutes every day this week. Then next week, walk for 10 minutes twice a day, every day. And then the week after that, walk for 10 minutes, three times a day. And let's see what happens. You know, let's see if you, if your, if your problem resolves, um, and that's sustainable, right? It's doable. Um, it's easy. It's not hard. And, um, you get a little bit of, of, uh, you can tell if somebody's going to comply with something like that. And a lot of times that's enough, right? They're like, Oh yeah, man, this, this is fine. This, this works great. Um, you know, so just a simple, very small thing that kind of <laughs> just brings their baseline up to where they're feeling like they're not a, a lazy piece of shit. And, uh, and again, like a, a lot, like our conversation on nutrition, a lot of it's up here, right? It's not actually a thing. That's a problem. It's something that they're, it's something they need to work through up here. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so, so I guess the point is it's not to immediately jump into this crazy intense conditioning protocol. Now I will do that with people to, to remove the idea from their head, right? If somebody's really <laughs> adamant, I'll be like, all right, cool, let's do some conditioning. And then I'll give them like, this is what you're going to do this week. And then they get on it, right? They're super excited. They do it. And then week two comes and then they do it. And then week three comes. They're like, oh, I only got it in once this week. I just ran out of time. And then week four comes. They're like, oh, man, you know, I only I only did like four rounds. I was running out of time. And then by week five, they're done. They're like, oh, fuck this. I just keep lifting. You know, it's cool. Um, and then it's time to be like, all right, well, look, you, you want to lose weight. Let's let's talk about nutrition now. You know, because that's that's actually the right way to do it. So you can't solve, you know, you can't solve a. Uh, uh, a body composition problem by just layering more and more stress on top. It doesn't work, right? It works a little bit. Again, it works a little bit, but it doesn't work long-term. Um, so the, the body composition thing, whether you're going down or up, that's a long-term process that involves nutrition primarily. Um, and then in terms of just cardiovascular health, it's normal human activity, right? Just a, a few walks. If that's easy for you, do a little bit more, move around, um, but you don't need to come into the gym and waste, you know, you got 90 minutes in the gym to get your training done. Um, you don't need to spend 20 or 30 of that on the, on the prowler or the bike, uh, because it's, you know, you're, there's, there's more valuable things you could be doing in the gym that are going to increase your overall capacity. Right. <clears throat> Absolutely. Does that answer your question? It does. Yeah. And, and I, I just, I understand why it's so challenging because what you just said completely contradicts the pop culture narrative, right? I mean, like shows like the biggest loser, what, what these people losing weight, they're all just doing cardio, 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 conditioning, conditioning, conditioning. Right. They're also starving themselves. They're uh, also starving. Right. It's exactly right. right but but what you're saying is that the uh be careful not to attribute the cause to the thing that's not driving the progress and uh your your message is strength training and nutrition is is how you get to where you want to go body comp wise um, and the conditioning has a small effect but it's less that's less than you think it is um and to be able to say that to someone uh who has believed something different for most of their life you're gonna to have to build some credibility and you may not be able to that's do right. that early in the conversation when when a member walks into the gym but you can demonstrate progress. You can demonstrate that the weight on the bar is going up. You can measure their waist and, and show them that their waist is getting smaller. Um, you can show them these things that are improving. 
And the reason why people drop off when when uh, you and I um, give trainees conditioning programs is because you don't get that same positive feedback loop when you're doing conditioning. Hell no, that's right. It's brutal. Right. It sucks. And then you don't you don't reap the rewards. It doesn't benefit in your day to day life. But but the trouble is, yeah. I won't name any names. But you've got all these people online. Some of them doctors who have popular podcasts and are guests on other people's podcasts who are saying things, they're trying to make it sound real sciencey and they, they sound, they, they try to make things sound very certain. So it's like, okay, so you need to do X number of minutes per week in zone one and then other days in zone two. And, right. and it's like, okay, cool. You know, I'm glad you have a program and I'm glad you're approaching conditioning in a kind of a systematized way. Um, and, and I believe you that, that the studies you're referencing demonstrate that, that improvements in all cause mortality and longevity, um, are, are seen when people do these things, but also you're probably comparing them to uh, sedentary people, not comparing them to, to, to guys that are, you know, 45 and are squatting in the mid three hundreds. That's a completely exactly. different demographic. Um, and so and they're, I think typically the, they're typically the same guys that will go, that will, uh, when it's, when it's something in their wheelhouse, um, they will wholeheartedly agree that the exercise science, uh, is bullshit. Right. But then when they want to pick and choose they're like this, this thing, you know, um, this thing that's, that's, uh, peripheral to what I'm doing agrees with what I'm saying right now, or with the program I'm trying to sell all of a sudden they, they love the evidence and they love the science. Right. Yeah, but, yeah. um, you know, so we're, we're not, again, I, I, and I, and this is something I, I push on the coaches that I talk to. We are not selling a, we are not presenting a solution that is like, this is the answer to your problems. We are presenting a process and it doesn't matter. Um, you know, all, all of this thing, all of these things that we talked about, like in the first 10 minutes here, um, is, is, is complicated and there's no need to explain this to any trainee or any client. Um, what you do need to explain is what the process is going to be today and tomorrow mm -hmm. and how that is going to get them to what their goals are. And if that process is, um, let's not do anything right now because you're, you know, you're already fairly active. Let's just do some strength training and we'll check in, in, in three weeks or we'll check in in a month and see how things are going. And then we'll, we'll, if we need to, we'll do something else or the process could be, um, yeah, your strength training now you're excited because you're doing all these lifestyle changes. And, um, you know, that's, that's always a problem because people, people do too much too soon and they burn out. Uh, so you, you, another job of the coach, I think is to hold people back a little bit and give yourself room to add things later, later on and later on as they progress. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, but it's okay. If somebody's super excited, we're going to have them do the least that they can do. The thing that's going to be the least damaging to their recovery in terms of strength training um, it may just be like, go for a walk one or two or three times a day, do that for the next three weeks. And then let's talk and let's see where things are at. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so now, you know, whether the walking has done a, a ton or not, I, I believe that it probably will. Um, most of the, 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 most of the progress has come from the strength training. Um, and also the, just the added like compliance of, of sticking to something and, and just taking it with you outside of the gym, that's super valuable, right? Mm -hmm. But I'm not giving them something that's going to, that's gonna interfere tremendously with them coming into the next workout and adding weight to the bar and doing what we're actually trying to do, which is improve their, their overall performance, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then when it's necessary, we'll do more. Um, I'm, again, we're, we're absolutely not opposed to conditioning, but I wanna get the idea across that uh, high levels of conditioning um, and, and protocols that produce high levels of conditioning are number one, specific to the activity that you're doing. Mm. And number two, usually completely unnecessary for most people, most of the time. Right. Um, 
know, I always use like the, the jujitsu thing as an example, cause it's, it's simple. Cause you have belts and you have, you have all this stuff, right? So if you're, if you were, um, um, <clears throat> on the conditioning question, regardless of what you do, regardless of what sport you do, um, regardless of your skill level, if you're weak, um, there should be nothing else you're doing except getting stronger. Mm. Like, you know, just, just keep doing what you're doing. Keep doing your jujitsu, keep doing your bike riding, whatever, and just get stronger and you will see performance improvements and you'll actually probably see conditioning improvements as well. Mm. Um, if you're really strong, um, and deconditioned, right. You're really strong, but you gas out doing stuff. The best thing that you can do is improve your skill right? Because, you know, you take the, the strong guy, the guy who, who uh, benches 300, 350 uh, squats in the fives and pulls in the sixes, and he goes to jujitsu, that dude's going to gas, right? Just like everybody else. It's not, it's not just him. Everybody who starts jujitsu gases. Um, they will attribute his strength and his size to his gassing, but the white belt who's right next to you, who weighs 135 pounds, that motherfucker is also gassing out, right? Sure. So, uh, and anyway. one guy's produced a whole lot more force than the other. That's exactly right. Yeah. The other, the one guy has been way more trouble than the than than the 135 pound guy, right. uh, to everybody in the room. Mm -hmm. So, point being, if you're very strong, or or let's just say strong, right? You're strong, and you're unskilled. You have no business doing any conditioning. You need to get better at your sport because you're inefficient. You don't move well, you're deconditioned. And the only thing that's going to give you the conditioning effect that you want for that sport is doing that sport. Mm. Right. Um, it's so bizarre to me, man. Like the, like, you know, you go to jujitsu and you start jujitsu or you start anything that's hard like that. And you feel like you're going to die. Like you're drowning. You can't breathe in order to produce an adaptation. That's going to make you, um, not experience that you have to recreate that mm -hmm. out off of the mats. Mm -hmm. How the fuck are you going to do that? It's not the same. Like how, how are you going to do that? It's not the same. It's so it's, it's essentially a waste of time, right? I mean, it, there may be some benefit up here, right? But, and that's cool. But really if you think about it, that's, it's, uh, it's not the same thing. So where, where conditioning, um, becomes critical now <clears throat> is for the people who are highly skilled and strong. Sure. Okay. Because the people who are highly skilled, um, don't derive a massive conditioning effect from their training anymore yeah. right so the, the the brown belts the black belts the some purple belts uh, in jiu-jitsu let's say um they go to class and yeah they may experience like soreness in the joints and and all the aches and pains and stuff but they're not leaving every class completely wrecked from a conditioning standpoint mm -hmm. um so if they need to improve their conditioning, and I would argue that they don't, if that's how they're leaving class, but maybe they've got a competition coming up, mm -hmm. right? And they want to they want to improve conditioning for that. Then what what are the options there? Because remember, they're strong. If they're weak, then they're not going to do conditioning. They're just going to get stronger. Mm -hmm. If they're strong and they're and they're uh, very and they're very skilled, then um, the options are either fight harder, which has problems, right? Because now you run up against injuries and overuse and all these things. Or um, uh, figure out a or do some intelligent conditioning, right? Sure. So that's where that's where it would fit in is just like something outside of the the gym, where you can build up some some uh, some additional conditioning without like getting punched in the head a bunch, without having to go like dry have, having to go ride like up and down hills and miles and miles and miles if you're a biker, you know, and and so on. Where you're now you now you're coming up against. Um, the law of diminishing returns in terms of like what you actually have to do to improve your conditioning, right? Mm -hmm. So 
really in terms of like really, really intense high level conditioning, that's where it fits in. Um, and again, that's, that's a small percentage of humanity. Most people get by with a lot of strength training and just a little bit of conditioning and honestly, not that much conditioning if you get your nutrition under control. Uh, so basically what you're saying is most people have their priorities 100% backwards because right. what you're saying is it's strength, then it's practice, and then for the few people that need it, it's, it's conditioning and actually it might just be nutrition first. Um, right. But the way most people think about it is, it's it's conditioning and practice and yeah you also need to be strong so so as usual it's just conflation, um, and and I'm I'm glad that you mentioned that uh, that conditioning does have its place for some people, but it's fewer people than you would expect in fewer situations than you would expect. Right. Um, yeah. Especially especially like like really intense conditioning. Right. Right. I mean, you, you and I talked about this because you were only able to go to jujitsu once or twice a week or something. Yep. You know, and, and I had a competition coming up. Yeah, you want to do some extra stuff. That, yeah. That's that's perfectly fine, right? But if you're um, if if you're if you're doing you know enough jujitsu, three, four, five five days a week, um, and then on top of that, you're also strength training. Why why would you do any any additional conditioning? Like well, are are four or five rolls a, a night not enough conditioning for you? Then you're not going hard enough. Sure, sure. And and if let's say you're injured and beat up, so you can't go as hard as you want to, and you have to layer on more conditioning to try to right. supplement, then that would probably be worthwhile. But but your point sure. is is absolutely correct in that that's not what you start with. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Um, yeah, and then oh, go ahead. Go no, ahead. no. So actually, I was gonna I was gonna kind of switch gears to the big picture. So if you want to add something on that, please do. Yeah, a really important point from a coaching perspective. Now, then, the the conditioning question and the wellness question um, becomes then like a an easy cop out, right? It becomes an easy it becomes an easy sell. It becomes a um, uh, you know, it, it essentially becomes uh, allowing your clients to dictate the way you practice. Mm -hmm. And you, you're fortunate, man, in, in some ways. You're, it's, it's unfortunate in some ways, but you're fortunate in some ways because you stay away from social media. Uh, <laughs> I personally think social media is awesome and great, you know, aside from, from the uh, intrusions on privacy and all that. I just signed up uh, for Twitter, so I'm, I've... Uh, well, yeah. yeah. All right, well, good luck. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. Uh, <laughs> At least on things like Instagram, you get to look at cool shit. You're like on Twitter, it's just it's just anger, uh -huh. it's just nonstop anger. You know, yeah. I don't know if it's good for you, man. Probably not. Um, no. Yeah. But they're the only yeah. people that uh, believe in free speech, and I, I want to oh, see I if agree. that's real. Yeah. I, I agree. So I agree. Fuck yeah. Facebook. Fuck Instagram. Fuck. That. I know it's always trade offs, right? Yep, yeah. Yep. Uh, but uh, <laughs> anyway, um, so so you may be insulated from a lot of this, but but there there's definitely a, a, like a, a a trend, and there's definitely a uh, a, a, a move towards people who uh, who know very very well the thing that we're talking about in terms of strength training, mm -hmm. um, but in an attempt to get more clients, in an attempt to please more people, in an attempt to um, you know broaden horizons, so to speak, uh, it's essentially like we'll just do whatever you want. Yeah. You know we'll you know we'll, we're going to focus on we're going to focus on. Uh, you know, a little bit of strength because that's, that's good. Right. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, we're going to focus on, on your cardio and your wellness and your, um, and your flexibility and all these different things. Um, 
when they, you know, if you're honest with yourself, you know, damn well that most people don't need to spend a bunch of time on that, but what you're doing now is you're, you're casting a wider net, right? So, uh, and not only are you casting a wider net, but now the conversation that I have with my, with the potential client is way easier. Cause I don't have to convince you of anything. I don't have to convince you that I have this hard process that we have to go through or that we're going to go through and I'm going to guide you through this process and I'm going to help you and I'm going to improve your performance. And we're essentially going to do something hard, right? Um, because now I can just say, yeah, you know, we're going to do a little bit of this. We're going to do a little bit of that. We're going to do a little bit of this, that other thing. And it's going to be awesome. And that's exactly what you're looking for. Right. And then they're like, oh yeah, that sounds great. Yeah. You know, so um, the, the, the big, uh, the, the big um, focus for me is that that, stuff doesn't filter into our gyms and that the, and that our coaches understand everything that we're saying in terms of, you know, in terms of a, a, an intelligent, simple process, that process may take you into some very, very complicated areas and things like conditioning and things like, um, you know, some, some, maybe even some flexibility, whatever. Right. But it, it may take you down that path with, with a specific client, hmm. but but we all know that initially everybody just needs to get stronger. Yep. Right. And it, as soon as you start adding things to that or removing the idea that just getting a little bit stronger is okay. Um, and then kind of, we'll do whatever you want. That's a, that's a problem. Right. Um, because you'll see, let's, let's take, for example, um, like we, we start, uh, we start a, a thing where we're going to have people come in and we're going to have them start strength training and we're going to have them do a, a bunch of other stuff, right? What's going to happen to those individuals? They're, they're going to see progress, mm -hmm. right? They're going to see progress because they're novices. Um, the danger there is that the coaches convince themselves that the only way to do this correctly is that way, right? Whatever their favorite thing is. Um, when really what they need to be doing is the novice on your progression and teaching people how to eat well, mm -hmm. right? That solves almost all of the problems of all of your clients initially. And it's simple uh, and it's actionable. Once you start conflating goals and uh, getting mixed up with all this pop culture nonsense, you're going to be taking your cold plunge and then hitting the sauna and then doing your, you know, organic, um, uh, spinach enema and then, um, and then doing, you know, 45 minutes in zone one, and then it's the just, magical, the magical properties that people assign to things like a cold plunge is just amazing. Man. Yeah. And it's just, it's just fantastic. But, the, but you're exactly right. It's that, it's that kind of shit. And, and look, these are, I don't know if you did this, but you know, as a, as a young coach, these are things that happen, right? These are things that you do and you start to spread out into these, you know, all these different ideas that appeal to you. Um, and if you're, if you're, the problem is that most coaches and most people in business are not honest enough with themselves and just run with it and then keep going and then build their whole fucking identity off of this, off of this slightly different thing than what you originally started with. Right. Um, but if you're, if you're critical of yourself and you're honest, you're going to come back to these really, really simple, basic principles. I mean, we're, everything that we're talking about here is like, you know, at this point is like, is like 15 or, or 20 years of experience dealing with clients and fuck, I'm back to five lifts, you know, three sets of five and, like no conditioning essentially, right? Uh, uh, it's just lift heavy and eat well for the most part is the recommendation. Now, the problem is that that's hard as hell to do. For, well, for and it's too simple. And if you're neurotic, it seems like you're missing something. You feel guilty. It, it seems like you're missing something. Yeah. But in terms, of, in terms of interactions with clients, it's, it's really difficult to do. Yeah. It's really difficult to keep people focused on, 
um, on on lifting heavy and eating well because sure. especially the eating well part because that that involves like everything outside of the gym yeah right so um, so we we get we get young coaches who come in and, and believe that as uh, as things slow down what's the answer is is what, what you know it's reflexive like what you got to eat more well that's true right you got to eat more but you know don't look at the guy over there who came in at 340 pounds and is now down to 280 and tell yourself, well, I don't want to look like that. Guy. Right. Well, th that's not the situation. Right. right? Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> exactly. Right. Um, and just to be clear, I, I, I'm not saying that, uh, there's no benefit to a cold plunge. You know, I've listened to Rhonda Patrick, just like you have. And I, I understand the material she's referencing that talks about cold shock proteins and all this, but, but really what that is, is it's, it's stress. So then the yep. question becomes, if you have limited time in your week for health and fitness, are you better off spending it in the sauna, doing a cold plunge, um, if you haven't yet done your squats? Well, probably not. And here, here's the thing I wanna warn everybody against, which is uh, nebulous claims of health that are hard to measure and track. I mean, I can sell you anything if I do that, right? And, and, and the people in the marketing business uh, um, in fitness understand this really well. So. Um, you're susceptible to all kinds of bullshit as long as you feel good about what you're doing. And what we're essentially saying is things are a lot simpler than, uh, than they're made out to be. And um, if you're going to apply stress to your human organism, do it in a structured, planned way and make it oriented around making those structural changes that, um, that Nick alluded to, which is making yourself stronger because that, that affects everything else positively. And then improving the metabolic changes, um, and and so I think the real problem here is you have you, on one hand you have some people that are that know the right way but are dishonest because it benefits them and fuck those people. Um, right. But I think I think the the bigger group of people are those that just don't actually know that it's possible to make profound structural changes. I think the vast majority of people in this business and the, and the vast majority of lay people um, don't understand that if you're 50 and you're a guy, you can get your deadlift to 405 in two years, two and a half years, number one. And number two, um, not only is that desirable, but it's probably the best thing you could do for your overall health, fitness, capability, longevity, functionality. It just seems right. super counterintuitive. When I talk to people about this stuff that are not into lifting, you can, you can see that they're just not, like it's just not clicking. You know, I, I, I was at a dinner the other night with some guys that would be perfect fits for our program. They're, they're middle-aged men, they've got money, um, and they're all mainly just doing conditioning. And I was telling them about one of our trainees at Dallas that's you know 72 years old and he deadlifts 425 pounds, and I was trying to compare that to a marathoner that's 72 or a guy that's, set, that's sedentary at 72. And I'm like, well, if, if any of those three guys get hits by, gets hit by a car, who's, who's got the greatest chance of surviving? Um, if, if, one, if any of those guys gets attacked, who's got the greatest chance of surviving? Um, who, yeah. who is the most metabolically, uh, not metabolically efficient, but who's, who uh, can, can manage glucose the best, you know, based on the amount of muscle yeah. mass they have? Um, like, who's got the which best one, balance? Like, all these things, right? So, which so, one is better if they get pneumonia? Yeah, who's gonna, get, who's gonna perform better if they get pneumonia? Who's got weight to lose? So the, the, the reason I say all this is um, we are selling, and, and, and Nick, I, I, I got this line of thinking from you. This is the, the, the perfect way to articulate it as far as I'm concerned. We are selling capability. We are selling improved capability right now. If you come in and train with me on Monday, by Wednesday you will be better. It will be measurable. 
you may not feel it in 48 hours as far as how, how much uh, how much stronger you are in the changes, but you'll feel it in a couple of weeks. You'll definitely feel it in a couple of months. You'll be a different person in a couple of years. And That's so right. these other guys can sell this nebulous, you know, you're going to uh, improve this thing on your blood panel or there's this evidence that this, you know, cold shock protein in, improves all cause mortality by X or whatever. That's all fine. But what we're saying is time and money are valuable invest it in the thing that's going to get you the biggest bang for your buck and the thing that's measurable and improves your performance right now. And so, yeah, on one hand, from a business point of view, um, we're dumbasses because instead of capitalizing on people's beliefs, like, like I've got some buddies during the pandemic that, uh, we're thinking about selling masks. And I was like, well, you know, the masks are bullshit. They don't work. It's like, well, yeah, but a lot of people are buying masks. So you can, <laughs> you can be that type of person. I don't want to be that type of person. You can sell people what they want, whether or not it makes sense and it's, and it's ethical. Um, or you can take the hard road. And the hard road is there's a better way to do things. We know the better way to do things. Most people don't know the better way to do things. But guess what? Ours is backed up by first principles. And on top of that, it's not just a thought experiment. You can verify its efficacy yourself. I can prove it right. to you in two weeks. And, that, and that's why we, we offer a free first session in the gyms because once people come in and they, they understand what we do and they talk to the other members in the gym and they see the case studies on, online, it all clicks. So, so the, the big picture here is there's so much noise out in, in the fitness industry. Um, if you are conscientious and you care about your health and fitness and you wanna look good and you wanna feel good and you wanna live a long time, it can feel overwhelming. You can feel like you're never doing enough. Like uh, you know, you're inadequate or you can feel guilty or shameful. It doesn't have to be that way. Um, as far as I'm concerned, you need to lift heavy weights. You need to make progress over time. You need to eat whole foods and your caloric and protein intake should match your training goals. On top yeah, of that, dude. when you're not in the gym getting stronger, you should be living a full, physically active, rich life. You shouldn't just be going to the gym and saying, okay, cool, I'm no longer sedentary. For me, that's jujitsu, two to three days a week. For Nick, it's pretty similar. If you're doing a martial art, if you're hiking, if you're playing pickleball, whatever it is, um, you you should do something with your body because that definitely is better for you mentally and physically than not. And when it comes to the criticism that we get that you know starting strength says no cardio and you shouldn't do conditioning, that's absolutely not what we say. And you can look in the book for yourself. Once you have graduated from the novice linear progression, um, you should probably do some conditioning. And I always recommend, recommend to my clients that they do it in the form of something that they enjoy doing, a hobby, because I don't want to prescribe the, the Echo Bike twice a week. I don't want to right. prescribe the Prowler twice a week. I'd rather just prescribe you go hang out with your friends and family and throw your kids around and run around and hike and jump and sweat and have a good time. Um, right. So, so that's, that's from my point of view, Nick, is kind of how this all gets simplified. And I, I hope that clarifies for the coaches watching you know, how this stuff should be positioned. And I hope it clarifies for some people that are, you know, we have a lot of people on the YouTube channel that, that watch what we do and, and they lift weights and they want to improve their technique, but none of them have actually decided, okay, I'm going to focus all my effort in getting stronger. I'm going to actually add the third plate. I'm going to actually add the fourth plate. For those of you out there that are on the fence about this, just get stronger, just get stronger, go through this process. And then you'll know what we're talking about. Cause you'll be able to see it for yourself. And the trouble is with all this other bullshit, you can go through the process and you just have to believe that it's working because you have no other evidence that it is. Right. Um, am I missing anything there, Nick? Would you add anything to that? No, I mean, we could, we could channel rip a little bit here and, and this is not bullshit guys. I mean, conditioning feels hard in the moment, but conditioning is easier than adding more weight to the bar long-term. No shit. Um, 
spending time working on flexibility, spending time working on um, anything else is is easier. And it, I, I think that that we like as a company and our coaches need to need to recognize that and acknowledge it and be uh, cautious of, of going down those down those those paths of, of making things easier for people. Um, the hardest thing in the in the in the training world for normal people is to show up three days a week, add weight to the bar, and 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 uh, clean up their eating. I mean that that's the, the hardest thing for for people to do. It's the hardest thing that we're gonna we're gonna teach our teach and guide our members and our clients to do. Um, and that's our job. You know, as as soon as you start uh, uh, allowing yourself to be convinced that all of these other things are important, all you're doing is giving yourself an out and making it easier for yourself. Uh, and making it easier for your making it easier for yourself and less effective for your clients, right? So you have to be convincing. Um, you have to understand that the way this works and why it works, um, and you have to be convincing enough and authoritative enough to be able to uh, guide your members and your clients through a process that allows them to keep adding weight to the bar and to make intelligent decisions outside of the gym. Um, that are going to, and you know, I'm not, when I talk about nutrition, we're not talk, we, we have a whole podcast on this. We're not talking about this super complicated deal, just eating properly in order to recover and not become a fat ass. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, that, and, and, uh, and, and that's, that's kind of our mission. Um, so yeah, that's the only thing I wanted to, to add to that. This is, this is much, actually much, much harder than just, you know, doing the wellness thing or doing the whatever you want to call it wellness longevity total health you know we could come up with all kinds of fucking awesome marketing terms for for something like this but honestly it's it's what we're already doing you know we're already doing that thing we're already doing the the, the wellness uh, thing we're already doing the longevity thing this uh it's just it's just how you explain it right so can you be convincing yeah it's it's positioning and um i will sometimes give a trainee, a psychological break. If they want, if they want a way out, if they want some kind of a, a an easy day or something that's easier than what I would normally do, but I will only do that if the alternative is them not training, because sure. uh, I, the, the most important thing is that I keep them in the gym and I keep them training. And I have to, if I have to water down things a little bit because I've got, um, you know, a really anxious gal who just you know is worried about the weight and whatever, I will, I will water down things a little bit, but only if it's necessary to keep them training. Uh, but that's yeah, those, but, those are one-off situations, right? No, and when look, it, and it's I would argue that it's not watering down because if you're if, if if an experienced coach does it who who has the proper perspective in mind and is working towards the the proper outcome, um, it's not watering down. And when we say like I, I think watering down is the wrong term. It's mm -hmm. when you when you make when you make a decision um, when when you make a programming or coaching decision for somebody, um, it, it's not like you are completely switching and violating the thing that you're doing what you're doing is like i mean to put it in in uh in probably not proper terms it's kind of like stockholm syndrome right like you're you, like you've got this this abusive relationship with this person and you're just like driving them really really hard and then you give them a little bit of a break <laughs> and it's still it's still really hard right relative like could they do that thing you know whatever the thing that you're having them do that's easier could they have done that six months ago? The answer is no, yeah. right? Because their overall capacity is way, way higher. Yeah. So you're just throwing them a little, like you know, a little bone, a little bit, a little break, but it's minor, dude. It's like it's like minor. We're gonna get right back into the process as quickly as we can. Yep. And you know, ultimately, what you're looking for is is long-term improvement and compliance over time. You're not looking for 
satisfying your needs as a as a as the starting strength zealot today you know it's it's to get this person uh on your on your path on your process and keep them going so no i i don't i wouldn't say you're water we like when you and i do this we're not watering it down we're just like yeah you're giving exactly like you said you're giving them a mental break but we're still on task we're still we're still on mission towards towards the goal what we haven't done is say um yeah yeah you know go on that cut um, forget, you know, forget all this stuff, go on that cut. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll, you, you only squat, you know, every other week, you know, because you hate squatting, you're only gonna, you know what I'm saying? You're, like, you're not just, you're not just throwing everything out the window sure. uh, based on, based on the, the whims of the client. Like you have to be convincing enough to say, look, we're going to, we're going to make this adjustment here, make you feel better, whatever. And then, uh, and then we're going to keep going after this amount of time or, you know, or we're going to keep going on this other lift or whatever the case may be, right? I think you'll agree with me wholeheartedly on this one, man. Um, it, it occurs to me that there are two types of coaches that are not ideal. Um, on one hand, you have a coach who has a rigid conception of starting strength in his mind, and he is trying to apply that perfectly to everybody. And if, if it's not going exactly as this person has uh, decided it should go in his mind, then it's the trainee's fault. Um, and the trainee needs to eat more, or there's just, it, it all falls back on the trainee. So that's kind of on one hand. And then on the other hand, you have a coach that may know how to apply starting strength effectively, but either doesn't doesn't care enough um, or doesn't have the tools to explain to a trainee, um, you know, why they shouldn't be doing three days of extra conditioning during their first week of strength training. Um, so so th th both approaches are wrong. And, and I think right. what an experienced coach can do um, in the latter circumstance is, is ask questions, because we're consultants, try to find out what problem the trainee is trying to solve by doing conditioning and, and outlining the process, as Nick has mentioned, to illuminate the trainee that that actually isn't the best way to achieve their goals they're trying to achieve, and this process that we're outlining is. And then in the former category, with, uh, with, with coaches that are trying to, you know, just, just ram this method down people's throat and, and it, in their mind it's just this rigid thing that has to be the same every time for everyone that's just an experience thing or it's just an, an intellect thing you, you, you may just be missing um the 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 nuanced delivery of uh of how you apply starting strength to the individual um starting strength is, is a system and a process with principles that get applied to people and a model um, to ensure that you're you're doing things correctly from a uh, you know technique and a programming point of view it is not um, this person comes in and you do the, the following things every single time. And I think that's a, that's a common mistake that, that inexperienced coaches make. Yeah. Let me, let me clarify that because, um, I mean, in a lot of ways it is, it is that, so, um, it's helpful to take out, to take the timeline out a little bit, right? Because when, when, you know, if you look at the, the way our gyms operate and the way the, the program should work, um, essentially everybody comes in doing exactly the same thing. Right. And we, and the people who know about starting strength know the reasons for that, um, which, you know, we, we won't go into in, in depth here, but, uh, you know, everybody starts on the same program. The, 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 the rigid thinking comes out in the, when things get hard, right. It's that, that's always the problem. It's when things get hard for the coach and for the, and for the trainee. So it's like, uh, you know, you've gone, the, the trainee, the, has, the lifter has gone through six or seven or eight weeks of LP. Things are starting to get hard and the bar speed slows down. Maybe they start failing a rep. And then it's like, um, the, the, uh, the inexperienced coach, uh, decides that it's, first of all, it's not the, it's not a programming issue. Like they didn't make a mistake. 
uh, it's the trainee's fault and they need to do the following things to keep going. And then, you know, maybe they get a little bit more progress out of the trainee and then progress stops. So they do a reset, they go again, and then progress stops again shortly thereafter. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, what do I do next? And then they apply this new program or this new protocol on top, uh, you know, it's like, all right, you reset twice. Now we're going to do Texas method. That's like the classic, um, classic, uh, you know, smooth brain application of starting strength to so do novice, novice linear progression, fail two times and then do, uh, do Texas method. Uh, <clears throat> that's not how it works. Right. So it's, uh, everybody starts at about the same point. There's going to be some modifications for some people, depending on what's going on with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the, the, how you guide people along the process when it gets hard is what matters. Sure. And, and that is not a, that is not a strictly prescribed series of events. Sure. It's, it, it's, it's, it mostly looks the same for most people, but it's going to vary from individual to individual. And also it's going to vary by coach preference too, right? Yeah. Like I may, I may have a, an advanced novice do a heavy set of five and, and a couple of back offs with a light day in the middle of the week. Another coach may have them do triples, you know, three triples or something, whatever, you know, are we at weight to the bar? Is a person getting stronger? And what's the next change we're going to make when that stops working? And are they feeling good? You know, are they hurt? Are they, uh, yeah, exactly. Um, I think, I think you're spot on. That's, that's when, uh, that's when this issue becomes really apparent, but, um, for, for brand new coaches, especially, um, this can even happen within the first couple of weeks. I know for sure that, that, uh, newer coaches are hesitant, for example, to, some some trainees need to high bar. Um, well, and, yeah, that's exactly right. You know, and that's some true. and some trainees true. might need to be doing triples on week two. Um, Funny man, how people like coaches coaches are kind of shocked. Like they'll they'll send me a video and they'll ask me a question. They'll be like, "Oh, this like I don't know what to do. This guy's uh, can't get under the bar. He's he's he like just says his shoulder hurts so much when he gets under the bar. Send me a video, and uh, and it, the bar's like you know they're they're trying to get, crank this guy into the low bar position. It's like, well, did you try putting the bar up higher on his back? And they're like, uh, no. Right. <laughs> like, all right, well, do that and see if it works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I see this look on their face, like, well, are you really telling me to do this? Yeah. You know, or, or the, the like thumbs around. You know, it's like this. My trainee's elbow is is hurting, or they can't like, they 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 can't keep their wrist straight. I was like, let's just fucking wrap the thumb around and be done with it. And then they're like, they're like, whoa, did you just say that? There's this perception that that Ripito is <laughs> going to sit atop of Asgard and th- throw his fucking hammer down as soon as anybody <laughs> does anything but a low bar. And that's not <laughs> that is not what we're saying. The low bar oh, is yeah, preferred. Dude. If you can't you low, if you can't low bar, you still got to squat. But here's the here's the kicker. Make sure you know that the person can't low bar and definitely check with that's your right. head coach. And if your head coach doesn't know, check with Nick. Um, but you can. Exactly. Uh, dude, I had a trainee sumo sumo deadlift. Uh, oh, in the yeah. gym just last That's week, her, her hips were higher than her shoulders in the setup position of the con- conventional deadlift. So she's yep. going to sumo deadlift. That's okay. I, I don't prefer the sumo deadlift. I would never prescribe it unless I had to, but I'd rather her sumo deadlift than, than deadlift like that. So, yeah. And it's the smallest possible, you know, change to things. Like I have, I have a, a client as well. I mean, the guy is very tall, super long legs, uh, really short torso. I don't, I don't remember how tall he actually is, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, I've, if, if he wants to pull off the floor, his feet are just right outside his hands. Um, otherwise he looks like this, you know, yep, yep. His, his butt is, is two inches above his head or yep. above his shoulders. That's not, um, ideal. yeah, 
Yeah, the problem comes when when you walk into a gym and everybody's high bar squatting. Sure. You know, and everybody, everybody's doing a modified sumo. Everybody's rack pulling. Um, so that's always the doing the, rows. The, that's always the balancing act for for new coaches is is understanding like when there's an actual problem and keeping things as optimal as possible for uh, for as many people as possible. Try to do things optimally. If you can't uh, and you don't have the tools to make a small adjustment, get help. Um, and then, you know, as, as Nick said, make the smallest adjustment possible to stay as close to the model as possible. It's kind of what it comes down to. So Nick, let's, let's wrap up, man. I mean, in summary, I guess what we're trying to say here is that, uh, lots of people out there are selling lots of different stuff. Um, some of the claims they're making may be true. Some may be untrue, whatever, but I can tell you for sure that the claims they're making about how much better your longevity will be or your blood panel or whatever, um, they're not comparing strength trainees to to the product or the, or the, the program that they're selling. Um, so, right. so it doesn't apply to you as a strength trainee. They're, they're testing you know, normal sedentary people versus people that do this other thing. So that doesn't apply. Um, and if you, if you want health, if you want longevity, my position is um, you should just be focused on performance. And if you want right. the biggest bang for your buck when it comes to improving performance, so it has the best translation over to your day-to-day life and your daily function and also whatever sports and activities you happen to enjoy, strength training is the way to go. And if you're going to train for strength, uh, there is not a better strength training program on earth than starting strength. And better just means getting you stronger faster. If there is, let us know about it and we'll switch to it. Uh, but this is the best one that that, uh, that we're aware of, which is why we're, we've opened these gyms. Um, and just just be careful about nebulous claims that are that aren't measurable, and uh, um, you know, be open minded. We've we've seen over the past few years that that people have very strong beliefs about things that they don't necessarily understand, and changing people's beliefs is a difficult thing. So, um, in terms of what we're trying to do as a business, it's it's spreading the message to people that are open to our ideas, because because changing people's minds is expensive and difficult, um, and then we can just prove it over time. And, and Nick, by the time this this episode goes up. I believe our new website will have launched at startingstrangegyms.com where you can plug in your sex and your age and you can see how much stronger you'll get on average over time. So so people that are your same sex and age, how strong do they get on average over time, whether it's 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, you'll be able to see the measurable results, the actual weight on the bar changes. And and again, just notice that these other guys in the industry are not, they're not sharing any measurements and that's because they can't. All they can do is try to uh, kind of tap into your existing understanding, anxieties, and fears, and then make nebulous claims that may or may not be true and may or may not be provable. So that's where I'm right. at with this stuff. Nick, anything else you want to end with? No, I mean, just just for the coaches out there, if you guys, if, if uh, coaches and, and future coaches uh, and personal trainers, look, if, if you want to throw in your hat with the massive pool of, of personal trainers and strength coaches that are already out there, um, there's, there's always a market for you to do whatever you want and people will pay you if you've got a, a good Instagram or a good website or a good YouTube page. Um, so that's cool. But if, if you want to, um, we're, we're not going to do that, right? If you want to distinguish yourself as a professional and have a set of principles and, and honestly, you know, do things the hard way for your, for your clients and, and help normal people do things the hard way. Uh, it's one of the most satisfying things you can do. So, you know, the, for the coaches already in our system, uh, just, you know, make sure you understand that and uh, and get better at doing it. And then for people out there who are uh, coaches and interested in this stuff, uh, it, it works really, really well. And uh, it, it's not easy. You know, it's not easy to convince people to come into the gym and and, uh, and eat well outside of the gym. Uh, but it's very, very satisfying. You'll get lots of excellent results for your clients. And, 
and 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 more business, right? Because results produce more business. Yep. So yep. And uh, and let's just end by saying that um, we had a really good conversation with uh, with Jay about this, the guy that owns Starting Strength Denver, because um, right. he's seen a lot of longevity services marketed pretty effectively. Um, and when we were talking to to Jay, we all kind of um, came to the same conclusion, which is like, let's say we just wanted to sell longevity. That that was our marketing message. Would anything about our product or our offering change? No, Shouldn't. no. In yeah. fact, I will make a ten thousand dollar bet with any with any coach out there. We can take two seven year old trainees that are motivated, that are sedentary and are motivated, and let's measure all the things that actually contribute to longevity, and let's see what your program does for them versus what our program does for them. Let's measure their bone density. Let's m measure their blood glucose. Let's do all the 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 key performance indicators or the key longevity indicators and see which program actually makes a measurable impact more quickly for for a seven year old. And I. I, you know, what is longevity? It's, it's, uh, you know, the ability to, um, live, uh, a healthy, productive life. And, um, I, you know, I see this on the back of the ambulance every time I do a shift just to, just to end on a, on a rant here, Nick, the thing that, that occurs to me every single time I sit on the back of that ambulance, cause I work for a company that does medical transport. So inner facility transport is I am taking someone who has made a series of poor decisions that have accumulated to the point where they can no longer be reversed. This is this yeah, for is years, right? for years and decades. And this is this is 100% of the people that I that I interact with every day. Um, and all I have to say to you, uh, especially if you're if you're in the second half of your life is that you don't want this to be you, you don't want to be the guy that I picked up from an assisted living facility, who um, had shit his pants and was stuck on the toilet and couldn't get up off the toilet because he's so weak. And his uh, ankles are swollen from type two diabetes and he's got an altered mental state because he's having all these issues and he literally can't get off the toilet. I had to carry him and put him up on the, I couldn't carry him, he's huge. I had to help, help him stand up and get some assistance to put him on the stretcher and his house is a mess because he can't clean it up himself and he lives alone and he has, he has, his physical capability is gone. So then all he has is what's left up here and we know the two are, are closely interlinked. And that is not an existence anybody wants. It's not an existence yeah. anybody wants. So, so we are selling capability. Um, and you know what? A lot of us have made bad decisions um, up until a very late stage in life, but it is still reversible in, in more ways than most people assume. And if you can find a better way to accomplish all these things than, than the starting state program, please share it. Because this is, uh, as far as I'm concerned, this is, this is the way to go if you actually are cared about, if you actually do care about improving your health and being capable for as long as possible to live a long, healthy life. Very nice, yep. Cool. All right, Nick, well, thanks for the time. And guys, um, I like having Nick on the show, so if you wanna hear anything from Nick, just give me some ideas and, and we'll do it again. Right on. All right, see you, man, thanks. Okay. All right. All right.